Chaplain Jake Snodgrass, and this is the Pro Deo Podcast, a podcast focused on military congregational renewal and missional community formation. Today, we have Chaplain Aaron Fillmore and the legendary Chaplain Murphy from Crossroads at Fort Campbell. We are excited to have them on just to hear and just discuss uh, chapel-related things and, and really to get a kind of picture of where they've been and where they're going as a chapel community. Always, um, we've been able to see and watch this community continue to flourish and grow and watch how it's been prioritized and really just wanted to hear uh, from them exactly the way ahead and, and really how they got there. Enjoy. How have you integrated a high op-tempo chaplains into the ministry there at Crossroads before Campbell? Well, and, and let me talk about chaplains and then let me talk about congregants yes that's an issue too so it with the chaplains and i'll let aaron speak to this too if he wants you have to sell it to the chaplains and model it um and our the division chaplain and the brigade chaplains have done this very well and my talking point is chapel is not an extra duty chapel is a tool for you to get the soldiers from your battalion off the road to hell and onto the road to heaven. Mm. And it's, and so you have to provide them a chapel that's not, that they will not be embarrassed to invite their commander to come to. It's gotta be, yes. it's, it's just gotta be. Now look, I mean, you don't have to have Chris Tomlin as your worship leader. You don't have to be like. In fact, let's not. But it has to be, it has to be clean. It has to be well run. Your announcements guy needs to know what he's talking about before he gets up and makes announcements. Things like that that make it go smooth. If you're going to invite a battalion commander, don't present him with something that would make him eat your lunch if you did it at a staff meeting. Right. So your you know your sermons are well put together. They're coherent. Um, there were there we'll talk about that later they're rehearsed but your announcements all make sense they're coherent they're not too long great article by john piper brothers we are not professionals yeah. and we're not professionals not uh slipshod we're not just a little old country church we're we're a we're a chapel that's designed to reach military officers and ncos and soldiers and it has to be a quality and coherence in order to do that. And I think, uh, you know, there can be an attitude of, oh, well, chapel stinks. I don't want to be a part of that or whatever. But I think the attitude is not, oh, if you think it stinks, then why don't you do something to make it not stink anymore? Yeah. Uh, right. And so I think it's a mentality um, that we have to have. Like, I mean, for us as a family, like my family, this is our local church. Like we personally, we don't split time. Like these are my people. These are soldiers from my unit. You know, we're seeing soldiers saved and baptized. Like this is awesome ministry. Why would we want to shy away from it? And people will be like, well, how do I maintain my denominational distinctives? Well, you're a big boy. Read your Bible and teach your thing at home. What your denominational distinctives are. Yeah. And then like, yeah. 
Jake, you, uh, okay, so I want to insult all the Southern Baptists out there. No, but no, there, no. Chaplains in the army, and there's not much that's that distinctive about being Southern Baptist. I mean, if we all agree that God is a Trinity, we all agree that the Bible's true, that Jesus is coming back, and that we should, you can take care of anything on top of that in a small group or at home, or you might be able to implement it in the chapel and not drive anybody away. Now with the, uh, the high turnover, so Manor Church in Fayetteville, that's, that's my home church. They have, a, they have a 20% per year turnover rate. That means they have to grow by like 1,800 people a year just to stay at their current size. Um, now our turn, we're smaller, but our turnover rate is higher. I would say 25 to 30%. So we have to grow 25 to 30% per year to survive at our current level. Um, and then it, it, and so that, and then the deployment tempo will take away serve team members, ministry leaders. So you have to be at least too deep. And I, I would say, you know, our preaching team is four to five deep. A rule of thumb is it takes four chaplains to equal the work output of one full-time civilian pastor. And Aaron's looking at, like, that might even be conservative. Yeah, I mean, because somebody will say, oh, Crossroads, you've got, you know, 15 chaplains serving there. What are you all doing? And you can look right. around and especially trying we're to be too deep. All, we're yeah, doing we're doing a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, that's right. and, and, it, and it takes everybody rowing together to do it. And we've got 63 hmm. chaplains. Why not have 15? You know, have you ever read Dangerous Calling by Paul Tripp? I have, in fact. Okay, so like, you know, like how like in a lot of churches, they're set up to where the guy who gets the least pastoral care is the pastor. Because, right. you know, if you're struggling with a besetting sin, you're sure not going to go share that for prayer with a group of guys who can turn around and fire you. If you're, you know, you come in as a battalion chaplain, even just in your brigade, you have six other dudes who love Jesus, who want to see you successful, who aren't in competition with you in any way. They're there and they've got your back. And so you've got this ready-made fellowship group of peers who are going to take care of you. I think it's a, in many ways, this is a healthier environment to, to minister in for a pastor than, it, than anywhere else. Yeah, that's an interesting look. I mean, I think for a lot of people, especially in the, as I pastored in like a civilian world, you're definitely, well, I was definitely completely on my own. Oh, so yeah. I was the only pastor on staff. And if I was struggling with something, then I had to go to like a pastor in another town and him and I were friends or whatever else. And we would talk maybe personally, but you certainly yeah. weren't talking that with a deacon board or with, you know, an elder team or something along those lines. It felt like anyway in a lot of ways that was, you yeah. know, that was risky. Cause I mean, your family's livelihood depends on that. And certainly in the army, um, it gives you some freedom to yeah. be a part of a team and a fellowship where you're not so alone. That's, yep. that's an excellent point. Yep. One. Well, and, and to your point of, you know, uh, integrating high op tempo chaplains that has been modeled for me. Well here. Um, I think back to chaplain, Tim Wilson, who was the fifth group chaplain. He also at the same time led our preaching team. Currently, our lead pastor is Chaplain Eric Miller, who also is the fifth group chaplain now. It really eliminates excuses. You yeah. know, fifth group is 
busy, just as busy, busier than, than the 101st. And, you know, you, you look, Chaplain Miller models that well, like, hey, yeah. if I can do this, so can you. And it takes away that excuse from that battalion chaplain that says, oh, I'm, I'm too busy to be involved with chapel. Well, hey, man, look at our senior pastor yeah. and then reassess yourself. Yeah. <laughs> the USASAF guys are all rowing hard. And each room makes sure they do. He does. I mean, you know, Chris and I have ministered together since 2002. And, you know, and, and every USASAC chaplain I can remember uh, in, the, in the past five or six years, I think, I mean, he made sure everybody was was getting after it in chapel. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if you guys heard the chaplain ball talk in the last podcast episode, but he really emphasized and he has before um, where he talks about for a guy for a battalion chaplain who's, you know, digging into battalion ministry and doing good things there. um, A lot of times there's not a lot of spiritually specific activity (laughs) that he's able consistently to do and a way to man, way to bridge that and be a part of a chapel community and really partner with them to integrate your battalion into what you're doing in the chapel and not make it two separate jobs. Mm-hmm. I feel like it gives you a little bit of, it gives me energy rather than actually pulling or, you know, wearing me out. It actually fuels the things that we're doing in the battalion yeah. rather than yeah. detract from it. So I feel like um, that's something that I know that we've tried to communicate to our guys. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. As you're talking about, you know, Fort Campbell specifically, and you're talking about the high op tempo, what have you seen, you know, as you're doing, you know, good quality chapel ministry there and you're you're really actively integrated onto the installation? What have been some obstacles in terms of the gospel specific at Fort Campbell? And do you feel like those obstacles are the same, like just towards spirituality? Or is it, you know, what does that look like at Fort Campbell or basically your ministry experience so far in the military? So, so here's the thing. This is the problem I wanted to solve. And we started solving it at Fort Benning. And then we solved it at Fort Bragg with our SOP. And then we brought that SOP here. And, th- and that's this. You got you to gotta protect chaplains theologically. And, and here's, the, here's the obstacle. There's no definition of Protestant for the, uh, for the Army chaplain. And I'm not saying there needs to be, but, but it's like, you know, Protestant basically equals not Roman Catholic. And so when you're doing a collective Protestant service, you need to, it basically has to be this, whoever you install as a senior pastor, if you're going to, say you've got a senior pastor, when you want to go serve at that service, your endorser needs to be able to do a handshake with his endorser for you to be able to serve under that pastor. And I'm not moving a pastor because your endorser and that pastor don't particularly agree. So for so for, for Crossroads, we're, we're Trinitarian, Bible-believing Protestant service. It says in our bulletin that we teach the full counsel of God according to the Old and New Testaments in accordance with the historic creeds of the Christian faith. What, and then you go, well, what about like, what about somebody who's non-Trinitarian? Then, and we've got, uh, we've got, several at Fort Campbell, well, then I give them the option, hey, look, you can sponsor a, you can serve by sponsoring a distinctive faith group, or you may start your own service, and I'll give you the time and the space to do it. 
But what? I, but the pastors, the pastor, I put the pastors in charge. I don't let them pick their replacements. I pick the pastors because I want to pick the right leader for the service. And then those pastors are benevolent despots. They have absolute authority to accept or reject staff members and volunteers. And it could be as simple as, I just don't think you're a good fit here. Or it could be, I just don't think you're a good preacher. You're not going to be on the preaching team. And it's up to that pastor who's on his preaching team, the top cover to do that. I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, man, I mean, a lot of times the way we have set it up, because it's a Protestant service, just non-Catholic, it, it can be somewhat tenuous in regards to kind of the, the year in and year out execution of a chapel service. So the average soldier um, that is at Campbell probably has some barriers for him or her to believe, to believe the gospel or to uh, have a relationship with God. There's, there would be, there'd be a handful of distinctives there or some reasons why they would not choose to follow Christ. Or there might be some reasons why they would say I'm spiritual, but not religious or I'm not spiritual at all. I don't have no spiritual practices for the individual soldier. Um, Cause we talked a little bit about the chapel services um, ability to um, be distinctive in that regard. Have you seen like, what are the barriers for them to believe and to actually engage your chapel community? Well, we could even start by saying what's not a barrier. And I, I think for a young chaplain to come in to chapel and have, like we talked about, that top cover. But it's not just top cover, it's support. To, like, hey, you're you're new to the Army, maybe, or, or just new to chapel ministry, and you come in and you, you feel empowered to preach the full gospel and know that you're not going to be hindered. You're going to be, well, you can't really talk about this subject or this subject. No, it's, it's the full counsel of the Word of God, and you're not just having that top cover, but you're empowered to do that. And so... That is certainly what is not a barrier for us. But as far as individual barriers like you were talking about, I don't know if you want to speak to that, sir. You know, we have people here like they don't know what Palm Sunday was. And even, you know, I, as a heathen infantry lieutenant, I still knew that God and Jesus were the good guys. Wasn't sure about the Holy Spirit, but I knew he was in the creed and I knew about what Palm Sunday kind of was. I think we need to do a lot of we need to do sort of a lot of background because we don't have a Christianized culture as much anymore. So you've got to do some, you got to do some background to get people to the place where the Bible is in fact believable. And you would be surprised where some of the resources are. Like you ever watch, okay. You ever watch Joe Rogan? Um, occasionally. Joe watches Joe Rogan. And Joe Rogan gets more views than CNN, Fox, ABC, NBC, and CBS put together. Um, he got a guy on there called Graham Hancock. And Graham Hancock's written a bunch of books about ancient civilizations and the evidence for it. What Graham Hancock has found, I mean, Joe Rogan and Graham Hancock are talking about that, yeah, you know what, we think that there probably was a global cataclysm, just like it says in the Bible or in the Epic of Gilgamesh. And you're like, wow, look, Joe Rogan is doing apologetics course. So the distrust of authority that has been sown is also can work in our favor because there's now a distrust of, you know, what you learned growing up in biology class 
and here's the thing soldiers are entitled to genuine christianity they're entitled to a real chaplain not a tame chaplain. and and if you start if 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 we start limiting what chaplains can say then we are failing to provide for the free exercise rights of our soldiers. The, the chaplain corps has always been very good about supporting that. So the, I, you said something kind of interesting in terms of like the distrust of authority you felt like gave or opened a window um, to really communicate with soldiers in regards to um, where they're at in life or to actually re, maybe reinvestigate kind of what they believe yes. or think. One of the major questions that we've had here, and I know that I saw an email with the chief's offices kicking up a new a suicide prevention thing and, and a, a variety of things. The question I've seen here a lot, especially just in general, general but I, you know, you saw it at, at Carson as well, but here we have, it's kind of a unique situation where they send a lot of first-term soldiers to Korea. But what you see a lot of times here is there's just a big crisis of like meaning and purpose, right? Like you would think that the, they kind of come in initially with the idea that, you know, they, they have some meaning that they're in the army, but very quickly, you know, that, that gets kind of, they 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 lose the idealism very rapidly mm-hmm. here and then ha- have a little bit of a crisis there's a huge distrust of authority there's a huge distrust of what you know what you know they're listening to guys uh, like Joe Rogan they're listening to a, a variety of folks to themselves or to the soldiers there really is a, a major window a lot of soldiers really have that kind of crisis. And so, you know, as a chapel service, being able to be consistently faithful to the gospel message and provide something that is authentic and hasn't changed or isn't kind of trimming its sail, yeah. so to speak, is it's pretty powerful. You know, it would be so amazing. And, you know, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be out before we ever figure out how to do this. But wouldn't it be amazing if we were all tied into chaplains at Fort Benning or Fort Leonard Wood, where there's revival going on in chapels and there's people getting baptized. And then like Benning finds out who's coming to Campbell. They tell us who's coming and we look these guys up and invite him to chapel. They, we do, we do, we've done a handoff. Every, every week we get a load of soldiers and off a of plane. I guess right now we're not. But one of the things that's really challenging in that process is that loads of soldiers were coming off the, off the plane and going straight into And we're actually feeding them right off the plane. So, so they like literally arriving at the like air that. base. Yeah, I think I they saw drive here. Stream. And then we would put we'd have like 20 pizzas there waiting. Cause there's actually, cause it's a kind of unique situation here. They're really isolated on that side of the post and there's no food available to them. And so oftentimes they were just like going to bed and there was, it was, it was crazy. We were able to like fed them and whatever. And we're able to really just ask lots of questions. I mean, they're right off the plane, so They're not like super energetic at that point, but it certainly, and I'm a little, I'm literally asking people, right. I'm like, where'd you come from? And they're like Fort Leonard. Wood. I'm like, Oh yeah. Did you get baptized? Because I mean, statistically yeah. speaking, right. Like, yeah, <laughs> based on what i'm seeing one of them had to and i can't like i i will tell you to a person mm. i can't find them huh. you know what i mean and like there's certainly we have tons of single soldiers that are involved in our chapel ministry and i and i would say but those come out of long-term connection development relationships mm-hmm. out of that but i can't i i'm having a i have a heck of a time connecting yeah. the two right and we like that there's a handoff there and i don't know if they're just like hey this weird guy's asking me questions, which could be legitimately part of that, that situation. But we don't like, we don't, we're not like posturing ourselves there as like, kind of like the, the nerdy chaplain serving pizza. They wouldn't know I'm a chaplain. If yeah. I, you know, like I mean, half the time I'm there just in my civilian clothes. Cause it's, it's, you know, 11 o'clock at night. And so 
Um, and I have, you know, volunteers or something along those lines. But we were trying to think like, what in the heck, what trying to make sense of really what we would determine to be the response. And then, and then here, the lack of like being able to actively engage in a, in a chapel community or, or something along those lines. And I mean, certainly it's still a work in progress for, for us connect that out. We haven't seen most of our success has been through, we have a, about 20 different people who actively host soldiers in their homes on a wow. week to week basis. And, and they do a, a pretty, a pretty great job of, of like, they do like we have one where they have like soup on Friday night soup. And basically it's, it's about 20 different homes who basically serve as hospitality houses. And then they, they welcome in the family. So that, that works well, but it, that takes a long relationship yeah. building process. It's definitely not an event and it's definitely not attracting based on a service. And so anyway, we're, we still try to research as much as we can to figure that out. But, but yeah, that is a, that's a, that's a nut to crack for sure. And I think figuring those things out is definitely a way ahead in that regard. Hey, I, quick question. Um, I know that you guys went from chapel next for Campbell to crossroads and I've had my own, I was at, I did the chapel next at Fort Carson. I wanted to change the name the entire time I was there. Never got, never did it just cause I was like, I know what you mean. Never did it. Yeah. I always was frustrated when I would order things and things like that. They're like chapel next to what? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, it's name. It's <laughs> named chapel next. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, you know, anyway, talk to me about that decision maybe. And then, cause one of the things we're talking about is like the cosmetic and the structural renewal or revitalization that has to happen within uh, chapels. So there's a, a cosmetic or a structural renewal that has to happen, revitalization where we kind of reprioritize and all those kind of things. And you, we've seen that uh, Campbell with having the chapel in the right facility, putting the people where they need to be. Talk to me about the cosmetic, the branding portion of it, and then what you've seen maybe out of that. You want to talk to um, Chapel Next? and Yeah, so, so and, I, and I've been a Chapel Next guy since 2002, but it was time to retire the brand. And I want re wanted to retire the brand for a long time. So I was at Benning and it was already called Crossroads at Benning. Jeff Hawkins had started it. You know who Jeff, you know, Jeff Hawkins, right? And Jeff Hawkins yeah, is the absolutely. chaplain that I always, you know, wanted to be someday. <laughs> and um, so he started Crossroads at Fort Benning. Um, now, after Jeff had left, it had sort of not really fallen on hard times, but it, it needed some organization and it needed some fixing. And so we, so I, I, I took it over and I, and I said, look, what did we do in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 46? They worshiped God. They taught the full counsel of God. They connected to each other and they, and the Lord added to their number daily. Those who are being saved. They advanced the kingdom. So that's what we, we just said, worship, teach, connect, advance. The Jerusalem cross, which stands for the five wounds Christ received on the cross, also stands for the gospel going to the four corners of the earth. And then it also goes along with worship, teach, connect, advance, because you got the four little crosses there. So I was like, you know what, we're going to adapt that. Plus, it looks cool. So, and it looks like manly. It's like a lot better than that swishy swoosh cross worked out really well and i'm like you know we need to I, I just wanted i wanted to do something similar to that 
Ronnie Fisher had done great with Crossroads. I think he'd grown it to like 350, 400, and then uh, passed it off to Kevin Wainwright. I wanted to pass it off to, thought very seriously about actually passing it off to Aaron, but very difficult for a captain chaplain to be senior pastor of something that big, especially he's got too many people who can pull him in different directions. I mean, Aaron could do it, but like, that's okay. He'll have seven years as a major once he makes major and he'll get to pastor three or four services. So, so we, we, um, and then then people were like, well, let's wait till the end of the summer. And I'm like, no, no, we, we, we can get all this done. Like now, order the stuff we've got the money just do it so and we were actually chaplain murphy deployed and uh he had talked a little bit about it and so it's really when he got back that he kind of cast the vision to us you know he's he's like the chief visionary for that and just handed it to chaplain wainwright he led us through that transition and then you know that was just over one year ago we started we launched actually was it the week before Easter? Or the week it was Palm Sunday, yeah. Yeah. We didn't want to do it on Easter Sunday as as like, you know, trying to compete with Easter sure. itself and the, the meaning of that and whatnot. But I think one of the biggest things that helped was Chaplain Murphy, Chaplain Wainwright drawing on all the ideas from all the chaplains involved. It definitely reinvigorated everybody. You know, the branding is is good for the eye, the visual appeal and things like that. But it also, everyone who goes to Crossroads knows what we're about. Worship, teach, connect, advance. Like, it's on everything. It's everywhere they look. So they say, you know, it's something they can repeat to others what, what Crossroads is about. You know, Chapel Next to me was almost like, Hey, I'm going to go grab a pizza. Well, that can mean a lot of different things depending on what part of the country you're in. Yeah. And you then know? contemporary, casual, and captivating. <laughs> like, captivating is not a word that works well with, that's not a ranger word. Okay. That's, that's not a free word. That's not a special tell. I think still there's, there's chapel kind of, uh, it's almost like a brand confusion. You know, you can go to the army, you know, any army installation that has a chapel next, and there's going to be, significant differences about what that expectation is. And so it kind of oriented everybody's expectation as well. It brought us into a a tighter focus of those four uh, core tenets. And then Chaplain Miller now um, taking the baton from Chaplain Wainwright's doing great to, to flesh those out even further, you know, especially that connect piece. And I've, I've really watched kind of what you've done there. Uh, with agape and, and those missional communities, you know, with inside a missional community, if you will. Um, and that's kind of our next step. Um, and of course, this this COVID-19 thing has kind of uh, derailed some of that. But I think we're going to see a lot of that, those organic groups um, rise up from this. Uh, so that's that's kind of been interesting as well. The thing is, there were some real like seeker sensitive purpose-driven church kind of stuff left over baggage on chapel next it seemed and 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 there was a lot of there there are a few places where where you went and and chapel next really in some places become synonymous with uh spiritual mediocrity we're not going to get too deep Mm. we're going to keep it really 
surfacey because we don't want to drive away newcomers. And you know what? People aren't hungry for that. They're hungry. You know, as long as we don't lie to ourselves and go, well, we can't do what they do off post anyway. Why not? We have, we have, we have a staff that's already paid by uncle sugar. We have a building that's provided by uncle sugar. Why can't we do it? And so once we realize that, oh, gee, we can do that, then, then it's, not, it's not that hard to do. Now, with the COVID-19 stuff, so here's the thing. So we got this high-speed battalion chaplain named Aaron Fillmore who's been, who's been filming and broadcasting the service live on Facebook for like the last three or four years anyway. So now, glory at the muscle memory, we do this anyway. So when we had to go to virtual services, we, we had muscle memory. We knew what to do. We knew the, the stuff to buy and all the other services needed was like maybe a condenser mic and a tripod to plug in and then, a you know, mount their iPhone on and they could do it too. And we ran a class. And so the other services that wanted to do it ended up being able to do it. And it, and it took one week to turn that around. While we were under HPCon Bravo, um, you could still do gatherings in groups of 10, 10 or less. And I thought, wow, if only we had some ministers who were adept at doing outdoor services with small groups of people. But wait, we've got 63 of them here. So we did some search. I've got an ulterior motive for this because I want to start Bible studies in these neighborhoods. Well, now we know who will come to church if you do an outdoor service in the neighborhood. So, you know, Pete Robinson and I did a service in in uh, our neighborhood here in Turner Loop. And then I used to live in the 06 neighborhood, but I, I moved here because we're retiring and we want to hang out here a little bit longer than I'll be in. So I'm, I'm in this, I'm, I'm in a different neighborhood now, but, you know, I went back to the, the 06 neighborhood and did an outdoor service. We had like, and we had like 19 or 20 people there. We just like spread out extra. So we weren't like, we were social distancing properly. You know, yeah. We had a, we had, there was an actual demand for it and people were excited. You know, they're like, Hey, I love doing field services. This is great. I got to take my family to a field service, but hopefully <laughs> get to do some of those as we uncoil from this, but we've already had the technology in place to do it. And so Aaron should, Aaron, you should talk about what you guys did on the preaching team and how it was just like, well, I'll say too, um, it's been interesting to see, you know, the talent we have at Fort Campbell, I feel like is unfair to the rest of the army. I, I genuinely feel that way. Um, two guys in particular, Marcus Merriquin, Dan Potter, um, they have the skill set for technology and understanding and, and learning and discovering. And, you know, it's, it's helped us take that kind of digital service to the next level. Um, and I, I almost feel bad for chapels that don't have those guys there because they're just so good at what they do. And uh, it's been really cool to see that kind of flesh out. Dan has some kind of Facebook page or something along those lines and looking at some of his stuff. And I was going to, I may track him oh, down the, the chat a little bit, chat, but that's pretty, like that. he, yeah, he's, 
Yeah. Something along those lines, but pretty helpful. Yeah. I was listening to, so this is one of the things with us, you know, as we were talking, obviously we we had been streaming our services. We had a, a reason for that, you know, beforehand. And there was, it was the way our demographic works here. Um, we also, you're talking like 25% turnover. We actually will turn over a 40% wow. every six yeah. months, which is pretty wow. crazy because it's a, yeah. Because soldiers yeah. come for a one-year rotation, and then families come for two. Um, so last summer, we actually lost 450 people of our congregation oh. in one in two months, and then swapped it. So people actually went on leave, came back, and it was almost a completely different <laughs> yeah. congregation when they came back. But somehow, but somehow bigger. They were like, "What happened? Like, what? What in the? World? We had cadence missionaries. They basically yeah. went home for furlough, essentially, and they came back." And yeah, it was pretty crazy. There was a Alan Hirsch. I don't know if you know that name, but he was talking the other day. And he said, you learn how to play chess by not having your queen. So you take the queen away and then you uh, learn how to play chess actual. And one of the things that for us we're talking about is like our queen essentially is the Sunday morning service. Like it's a, it's a putt. It's right here in the middle. It's we, we literally are a um, hundred 50 yards from family towers. We have a massive uh, facility. We are right on the main highway. We are thoroughfare kind of going through Um, really in Korea. There's a lot of, there's a lot of benefits geared into how we, you know, operate here. Of course we had to kind of wrestle for all this, but, um, but at the same time, I mean, we were able to, well, we had, we had, we had to realize too, is that we are learning how to do like, we have to continue. Even even us, we've said our DNA is the missional community format, which it has been. I mean, we've been doing the missional community stuff here for a long time. We really started with that as kind of the, the organizing principle of what we've done. But we still, um, you you still, I still get lazy. Not lazy, but you know, like it's nice to have that Sunday morning service. And kind of it's still attractional in a sense, and and people will come to it. But pulling that away really invigorated um, us to say, hey, look, what does it look like and what does it continue to look like to do and to really function out of our missional communities? And I'm a guy who likes control. Like I like to have the ball in my hand, so to speak. And so it's hard for me to pass the ball and then to watch and to let these like families, chaplains, communities lead in their areas and their homes and things like that and not get the kind of feedback or the whatever else that I really long for. So it's been good um, in that sense to really push our people to take some more responsibility for their own spiritual formation and the spiritual formation of their communities. So that's been, I feel like, I feel like out of that is going to come a lot of help. And I, that field service stuff is, is fantastic. I think that's a great way to, to, to mobilize and put people out into the community where it's not necessarily having to draw to a facility or to kind of standard practice, but the church is God's instrument to advance his kingdom on earth. And so even if you're parachurch, you're still part of the church writ large. And um, I mean, that goes up to a whole nother thing where you have chaplains who are like, well, chapel isn't really church. Then, you know, then I, I encourage you to seek full-time employment in a civilian church. Right. Um, and, and quit. if you don't believe in what you're doing, yeah, that's a whole other. Um, but, but, uh, no, I, I had some, I would agree with you. 
I would agree with you. Now, we don't really have that here. I mean, we've got uh, we've got some parachurch ministries who who are supportive and they're pretty they attend pretty often, but they also hit some other churches or they hit some other chapel services. And and I've kind of hit them up on that, too. Like, why don't you just make it here? Because this is where young soldiers come and then pick other guys to make that church their home or that chapel their home but like be part of one body and unfortunately i think in the <clears throat> we protestants have not always done a good job of letting people know the we, we haven't had a solid ecclesiology you know what i'm saying you need to right look you need to be what you're saying. part of a body of believers who's led by a pastor who Maybe, you know, you may have like plenty of people on staff, but there's a pastor who's a leader and that pastor has got an agenda that God has given the leadership of that chapel and they're going in a certain direction and you can't have your foot in two camps. I mean, and just like what Aaron was saying, like, you know, when I was a new chaplain, I was a, I was a battalion of chaplain at Hunter Army Airfield and this guy named Tom Soldum was the Ranger Battalion chaplain there. And we both went on Friday <laughs> nights to an assembly as a God church off post. And there was a great revival happening and great stuff was happening. I mean, like people were getting saved or, I mean, miraculous stuff was happening. And, um, but after a while, God, God said to me, where have I called you? And I'm like, well, a chapel Lord. And he's like, that's where you need to be. And I'm like, but Lord, chapel sucks. <laughs> and he's like, make it not suck. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, roger that. And uh, and so we, you know, and it was a good church too. I mean, it, there's there's all all good experiences. Nothing nothing against those folks, but I just, I God was just telling us, hey, look, this is where you're going to be, and where you're going to invest, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to dig in and and you know, make it work. So that's what we did. That idea, especially when you were talking about like the, the problems or the barriers to the gospel belief and all the things that go on, is that the average soldier isn't waking up on Sunday morning and thinking, man, I need to dial into service or I need to go to service at all, yeah. right? Like that, that's not what they're thinking. It doesn't matter how amazing your Sunday morning service is. You'll basically draw Christians. You'll draw some non-believers, obviously. Largely what you're going to draw <clears throat> is people who are already believers. The average individual all over the installation and barracks all over the place are not waking up on Sunday morning thinking to themselves, I want to – I mean, you're, as you mentioned, like some yeah. soldiers have no idea what Palm Sunday is, right? I mean, they just have no basis of knowledge that would draw them into a chapel mm -hmm. community on its merits alone, right? And so if the mechanism – has, which has historically been the case, in my opinion, where you utilize chapel services to actually draw people out into the churches, into the community, or into some parachurch or um, discipleship program or auxiliary ministry or variety of else. Then you've That's oriented right. it right. backwards. Absolutely. And so the chapel service should enable and equip people to go into the community and that you're actually mobilizing believers to That's serve right. within the context of the community on the installation. And so – if you pull people off the installation, basically what you're doing is you're creating a gap or a, a vacancy 
a spiritual gap of vacancy with on that content on that installation. And so, I mean, I've, I've battled this within my own denomination and with everything else. I mean, with how yeah. we do auxiliaries here and things like that. We've, we talked about, we've talked about, I mean, when, even when I got here, we had our service, the contemporary service, it was kind of crazy. It was at 1430 uh-huh. in the afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, why, why would it, be? what? And so and I then, was going to, I moved it to 10 a.m. immediately. People, people came to me immediately. were like, well, I like to go They were like the, the parachurch and the, the auxiliaries were like, we like to go to the traditional service at 10 and then come to your service at 1430. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, we'll pick one. Like, I don't yeah. like, you don't, this isn't the filter. Isn't the, yeah. the funnel yeah. isn't going yeah. to you. What, what's happening here is like, you're not coming to draw people to, to your organization or to your ministry. Like you need to come be a part of a congregation or to be discipled, coached and mentored yeah. into going into mission and joining the mission of God, not the mission of your organization Amen. on this installation. And if, if you, and I, and I would really encourage you to, to jump in on that. And if you don't, then, you know, but I think, I mean, I think that's a, that's a, a strategic error that we continue to make as chapel communities is that we are, we're a sieve in a lot of ways, and we don't own the mission that's happening on our installation. And I think that can make, that could be a, a big, a big mistake, but. Absolutely agree. Well, and here's the other thing too. This is this is where what I see, and and unfortunately, I, I think I'm running out of time before we ever get this off the ground. But we need to have a growth track that is tailored to the chapel service. And by a growth track, what I mean is like, you know, just like a new believers discipleship course. It doesn't have to be that intense. It, it can just be like four weeks. The churches that grow, like if you look at like Church of the Highlands, LifePoint really well put together growth tracks. And the growth track is not a gimmick. It's scriptural because Jesus told us to make disciples and churches that make disciples grow. And when you make disciples, Michael Fletcher says, look, if you just concentrate on making disciples, you're going to have enough volunteers. You don't need to recruit volunteers. You need to make disciples. And then from your disciples, you're going to be able to shoulder tap somebody and say, hey, would you mind? uh, I think you'd be a really good fit for our youth group after chapel. Have you ever considered that? You're really good at explaining spiritual truths to kid you know something like that like you you actually you will get more people by doing that and and this is all in um this is you know michael fletcher's like put this all in uh, a book called empowering leadership it's it's really good but uh but the growth track piece it's scriptural because jesus said on this rock i will build my church and what did he tell the disciples to? He, he told them to make disciples. So it's it's our job to make disciples. Now, I mean, we've got to still establish systems. But that can't be our primary focus. And if I had one thing to do over again with chapel ministry, I would have concentrated more on making disciples and less on fixing systems. Maybe not less on fixing systems, mm. but definitely more on make disciples. If that's like one regret I've got about being a chick. 
Well, it's it's no different than commanders. You know, every unit has a reception and integration program, and that's a, a hot button issue, especially I'm sure in places like Korea. And so, what is what is the chapel reception program? That's How are right. we onboarding people so yeah. they feel a part of the team? Yeah, and that's your culture creation mechanism. If you want a culture of people who serve, you tell people right from the get go, "Hey, man, this isn't about you. This is about you serving Jesus Christ." and getting more souls into the kingdom. And this is what we're about. We're about populating heaven and depopulating hell. So get on board with it. And you're not here to slack off. You're not, you know, we, we expect you to serve. This isn't a, this isn't a army yeah. community service provided for you by the government. This is a place where you come to serve. So this isn't like, Right. You can you can go ahead and fill out a, an ice card about how your service was at the service, but we're not here to serve you. You come here to serve. But we've we've had it where we're equipping people really to get into the the missional community format. And so the kind of the RSO and I process is, is a good, is a good analogy as we're kind can of you, describing can it you send to get people to connected to long-term community. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. We've, and now that we are, we have a handful of chaplains who are starting to do, have you, have you guys ever, I know that back uh -huh. in the day I went through an alpha when I was, when I was in college um, so we have a handful of chaplains who are going to start alphas as well because they can do them on um, social media platforms or Zoom or something along those lines, um, you know, however they see fit. But basically those alphas walk them through. Yes. It's like an apologetic kind of what's the meaning? What's the meaning of life kind of thing. And so they can kind of connect them to alpha. Alpha would be stage one. And then based on how they were doing it as well, we can move them into um, like a story formed way or what we would consider to be like 10 weeks of the storing through the Bible and then planting and, and reproducing missional communities um, or in their neighborhood. So, so we kind of have it laid out in that regard. Uh, and then we have, a, we have our, our pathways. One is like basically what is, what is belief in baptism, et cetera, you know, those kind of things. But yeah, and it's, it's been effective, but you know, at the same time, I mean, it's, it's the idea of like, Hey, look, you got to turn people who are traditionally see um, the chapel or the church as a an opportunity to consume religious goods and services, then you have to obviously mobilize them to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and that they are in fact ministers of the gospel and not and necessarily I don't just wanna, I don't consumers. Talk badly about. I, let me just say this: there's a danger. Sometimes you run into a a chapel service that's been around, and you've got people who've been going there since the '70s or the '80s. And they look at it almost as a as an entitlement, and there's not a lot of you don't get a lot of work out of them because they've been looking at it the wrong way, and nobody's asked anything of them. And I, I wonder, you know, I wonder if if we haven't kept, um. Uh, you know, you want to keep everybody you can in chapel, but maybe we haven't, we failed to keep the right people because they went somewhere where they were being challenged.
Yeah, there's a free bus that goes every week. You're more than welcome to grab some people and go on it. Like, but I'm not going to facilitate that for you. You can find more from us at prodeochapel.com and click on our social media platforms and connect with us there.